You are listening to the Riverbend Youth Podcast. We hope this teaching deepens your relationship with Jesus and encourages you to share your faith with others. Please enjoy the message. Okay, somebody make some noise if you have a sibling. Who has siblings in the room? (gasps) Is that like a noise like, I love my sibling, or a noise like a war cry because you want to kill your sibling? That's both? Okay. Uh, I have a picture of my brother. If you've ever met my brother, this is what he looks like. He, we, I call him the twin. Um, and we just tell everybody that we're twins, even though we're not twins. We're the same height, same size. We're indistinguishable on the phone. We have like the same voice and everything. Same big old nose. He's even got his ears stretched out a little bit. But we're actually a year and a half apart. And, uh, and can I tell you guys a little secret about my brother? Yeah, well, he's not here to defend himself. Now he knows this. And when I was in high school, I hated this dude's guts, dude. I hated this guy. I wanted nothing to do with this dude. And I literally thought he might be the worst person on the planet. Me and my brother, we fought, we disagreed. We had different styles, different friends, different opinions on the issues. Really, we were like oil and water. We just didn't get along. I was at ACL on Friday night which is a whole nother story. But I remembered, uh, I thought of my brother because he's in the music industry. He's currently on tour right now. And, um, and, and I was thinking of him and this one time that we were at a concert and we were both in high school. I went to warp tour together and this dude literally tried to fight me and I'm me of all people. Like I'm just so lovable. Why would you want to fight me? Um, but this guy was literally trying to fight me. I think as I elbowed him in the face or something, he was one of those short Kings. You know, he had like that five foot nine, like little man syndrome. I was just trying to get hype in the crowd. I was like, ah. and uh, he took it personally It's a concert, bro. But that's how it was. And I remember my brother, in spite of all of our differences, he, uh, I was his ride there. So we were like, we had to be together. You know how your moms would be like making you do that with your younger siblings. Um, so, so like he actually had my back. And again, we were the same size and stuff. So one of me is probably not that intimidating, but two of me, like this little guy, he backed down, he backed down. And I were like appreciating my brother for that. Um, and it made me think of this phrase, which our whole series is sort of centered around. And the phrase is blood is thicker than water. Have you ever heard this phrase before? Blood is thicker than water. Maybe not. It's, it's, it's apparently a phrase. And what it basically means is that your family ties, the people that your blood related to, um, th- these relationships are more crucial than any other relationship that you might have, even friends. And so, um, like, for example, you could say that your bond with your friends is not as valuable as your bond with your family. But uh, I know this phrase sort of breaks down pretty quick. Because a lot of us are like, I don't have a strong bond with my family. Um, I I don't even uh, like, I feel like you felt towards your brother probably. Um, And I know family can look a bunch of different ways. And I wouldn't, I know we have a bunch of different family realities represented in this room. I have another brother. His name is Jay. And uh, he's in this picture on the far right. He did not get the height genes. He does not look like me at all. And it's because we have different moms. He's from a different, uh, you know, in a previous marriage with my dad um, and another woman and had him. And then my dad married my mom. And then that's me and my brother. So there was already that dynamic of like, and some of y'all might feel this where, you know, you're not my kid. And so it's, 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 it's sticky. Uh, my wife and I have 
two boys and we also have two little girls and that's Maisie and Ivy and they are adopted. So they're not blood related to us at all, even though they are our daughters. This is us at the daddy daughter dance. It was like 1950s themed. So that's why I look like I'm from Greece or something like that. I don't know. I'm not as buff as John Travolta, but nevertheless, I tried. I am John Travolta. Uh, I, I'm him. Um, and maybe for you, like, I've introduced this concept of family now, and you're thinking about your family. Maybe you have a step-parent or a step-sibling. Or maybe you're sitting here today, and like I said, you don't like your family at all. And that was me in high school. I didn't... This it's, is hard to be vulnerable sometimes and talk about it. And sometimes we want to brush it under the rug and just pretend like it doesn't exist. Family is complicated. Family is complicated, right? And if you feel like this and you're here today, then there's probably a sliver of you that wonders, how does my faith and my family intersect? Like, if, if, if I'm supposed to be a person that follows Jesus and, and you know, wants to learn about him and God and the Bible, it can be sort of awkward to like have that with their family sometimes. Like if they want to pray together or maybe your family doesn't pray together or maybe they do or don't eat together or maybe y'all like don't talk about the Bible together or maybe they just make you come to church whether you want to or not. And it's just kind of like another layer on top of the already complicated layers that exist. But sort of the crux of this series is to open our mind on what the concept of family really even is. Like maybe it's more than just the people that you're blood related to, right? Maybe there's something more to being a Christian and, and, and the word family. And so what is that? And that's what I want to dive into. So if you have a Bible or the Bible app, you can go ahead and flip it open to John chapter 13 and you just get in there. Cause we're going to be getting into a lot of scripture today and you can highlight it and underline it and share it and all that kind of stuff. But as you're getting there, John chapter 13, I'll sort of set it up. So John was one of Jesus' friends and he became a follower of Jesus because he recognized pretty quick, yo, this guy is something special. He, he's, I, I believe he really is the creator and sustainer of the universe. I believe that he really is God in physical form. And he's working miracles and he's proving it with his actions and with his words. And he's perfect. He's living this perfect life that no one else could live. And so John was a follower, but he was also a friend of Jesus. And they're at this meal together here in John chapter 13. And Jesus' friends didn't know that this was going to be the last meal that they ever had together. But Jesus did because he knew everything. Jesus also knew that things were about to get extremely complicated and emotional for these guys. And so I want you to look at what he writes in the very beginning of John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. John writes, it was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus loved his friends to the end. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, we read on. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he gets up from the meal, like picture yourself at this table, just enjoying some a delicious, I don't know, some sushi, right? But yeah, I don't know. That's what I like. You can like whatever you like. Look, you're having dino nuggets and mac and cheese for all I care. 
<laughs> someone, someone's like, yeah, can I get an amen for the dino nuggies? Okay. Yeah, same. <laughs> so Jesus, he gets up from the meal. He takes off his outer clothing and wipes a white. He wraps a towel around his waist. We read that and we're like, okay, so what? But then at the time they would have understood pretty quickly that this is how the slaves would have been dressed at the time. They would have had a towel wrapped around their waist. Why? Well, as we've talked about before, when people walk in to a place, their feet were super gross because they had to walk everywhere. They didn't have cars and open shoes, sandals and stuff. So there'd be a, a, essentially a slave there to, to wash their feet before they came into the house. But these guys um, were having this meal in a place called the upper room. It was a very holy place. So there wasn't a slave there to wash everybody's feet. So what does Jesus do? He assumes that position for his friends. It says this, that after, after he wrapped the towel around his waist, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he wrapped around him. Now, this task was reserved for the lowest of low. So when Jesus, who, like I said, is God himself, is a person with all authority, a person with all power, takes on this subservient form for his friends, you've got to ask a question like, why? What do you doing? What are you trying to, to demonstrate here? What does this signify? And it signifies love. It signifies love. And, and this is why Jesus follows it up with a new command. You know, the 10 commandments, Jesus was like, here's another one. He can add to it because he is God. Only he could do this. He says a new command I give to you. First 10, we kind of left this one out. Love one another. It's very simple. That's why I have LGLP tattooed on my wrist. It stands for love God, love people. BTQ. I'm just kidding. Okay. He says, love one another as I have loved you. So you must also love one another by this. He's like, this is how everyone will know that you're my disciples. And he says it again. If you will love one another. He says love so many times. But he's like, this is how everyone's going to know that you're a follower of me. This is how everyone's going to know by loving each other. So we serve, we elevate, we help one another, regardless of how they treat us. And to bring it full circle, this applies to our family, the people under our roof that we are blood related to. These people weren't necessarily blood related to Jesus. Like they were his friends and he, he demonstrated this with them. But if, if, if you want people to know that you're a Christian, if you want people to be pointed to the creator of the universe, the best way to do it is just like this, is just love. It's simple. It's love. And a great place to practice that is under your own roof. Because these are the people we can't escape, right? Whether you like it or not, these are the people that are, are just in your life. They live in the same place as you. Some of us, even just for half the time or a split period of time, but whatever. But if we can't get it right there, and we can't get it right anywhere. We got to practice. So what does love look like? I, I love this passage. It's in first Corinthians chapter 13. And you might've heard it before. If you spend any time in church, you've probably heard this passage. Um, this comes from the apostle Paul, probably one of the most influential Christian leaders of all time. And he's writing to the homies in this place called Corinth. And in, in chapter 13, he says this love is patient and love is kind. Think about your family, the people under your roof. 
Are you able to be patient with them? Are you kind toward them? Well, this patient, it's, it's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not all about me. What can I get out of this? It's about washing the feet of the people, whether or not they, they do anything for you or not, whether or not they like you, you like them or not. Look, Jesus knew that some of his friends were going to betray him. They were going to stab him in the back. They were going to turn him in. He still did this anyway. It wasn't contingent or conditional. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't keep receipts. Love doesn't delight in evil. Like when you see someone else fail and you're like, ha, it's what you get. It's what you deserve. It's not love. That's revenge. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. You ever felt hopeless? It always perseveres. It doesn't give up. So as we finish this morning, I want you to think about your family and you can even kind of close your eyes if you want to, but can we keep that verse up actually? Cause I want to do something. Look at the verse that we just read and think about every place you see the word love and, and try to replace that word with your name and think about the person in your family that you have a particularly hard time with. Maybe you have a hard time loving them and And then look at this list and put your name there and say, I am patient. I am. Can you say that? Can you say this? And it'd be true. And what's the one thing as you look at this verse that maybe it's, it's not true. Maybe you are patient. Maybe you are kind. Maybe you don't keep a record of wrong or something, right? But maybe you don't have hope. What's the one thing that you struggle with? on this list. Maybe you're pretty good at a lot of them, but if there's one or two things that you could work on, just kind of take a second and let it sink in and ask yourself why that might be like, why do I have a hard time with this towards that person? And then just sort of prayerfully ask God to help you with that, to help me be more patient with my stepmom to help me be more kind toward my dad. To help me be more kind toward my sibling. To not get so angered easily. And to be honest with you, like when I was in high school and even I, I couldn't do it, dude, I couldn't do this. I'd have a hang up with like every single one of them because I didn't like my siblings. I didn't like my parents. I didn't like my family. I wish I could have traded families with almost anyone just to get out of there. And I talked about them like that too, behind their back to my friends. I would talk super trash about my siblings and about my mom and my dad. I just wish they would have gotten a divorce. I remember telling people that all the time. I remember doing anything I could just to not go home because I didn't like it at all. There was no honor. There was no respect. There was no trust. There was no hope. There was no perseverance. There's none of that, dude. But I also wasn't trying. And you can do better. You guys can try. Y'all can do better than me. I wasn't washing their feet, like metaphorically speaking. 
I didn't want to do anything to help them at all. That was my own family. So you could imagine two things. One, how that looked to the outside world. If I'm trying to point people to Jesus, that's the furthest thing from it. If you're talking crap and you're like, if you're just a hot little mess and your attitude's trash towards your family and your siblings and your parents and step parents and grandparents, guardians, whatever. Like, first of all, that's hurting you, your faith in God. Like it's, it's not healthy. It's not good. It's not constructive. And second of all, the people outside that you're trying to show Jesus to, that are trying to be a light to in this dark plant world, dude, like that's what they're seeing. And they're like, why would I want anything to do with this God that you say is so great that you love so much, whatever, that's how you're being like towards the people in your own family. I could not do this if it was under my own strength. God has rescued and redeemed me so much. My brother's my best friend, both of them. My parents, I love them to death. Now. It took me a long time to get there and I wasted a lot of time. Like it could have been a lot better for them, for me and for everyone in my life. If I would have did that sooner, if I just would have laid my pride down. Cause my, my issue was pride, dude. It was pride. And it, it, here it is in the beginning of the verse. Love is not proud. That's the one that I met, that I struggled with the most. Loving your family is actually one of the greatest ways you can build your faith because it'll be supernatural. It'll be supernatural. You'll realize really quick, like I'm not doing this. God is doing this. And it'll just validate even further the existence of him. It'll build your faith and it'll build the faith of others, which is the whole purpose for us on this planet. So when it comes to relationships that are thicker than water, the ones that were blood related to, we start there. Remember this, that love is more important than anything. In first Corinthians chapter 13, if you want to know what love looks like, refer back to that again and again and again. All right. Thank you for listening to the Ruben Youth Podcast. To learn about our mission, gatherings, and more, please follow us on Instagram at RBU or check out our website at rubin.com slash students. If you are encouraged by this message, please subscribe, rate us, and consider our sharing our channel with a friend. Available anywhere you get podcasts.